0: Hello, and welcome to Last Collection. My name is Brian Ehrberg, and I'm an attorney out of the Dallas area. And I'm here to help you shed some light on something that's gotten a bad rap over the years. Bankruptcy. Now, this episode is going to lay a lot of the groundwork for bankruptcy, because most people don't know about it. The reason that is, is because it's, like I said, it's gotten a very bad rap. It's, uh, it was made, well, I'll get into the history later, but just know it's been made to help people out of these types of economic recessions and, and everyone, especially now with COVID-19, is running into these issues. So I thought that it would be good to start a podcast, to just give a little more information about it and see what you qualify for, maybe also kind of look into what creditors are and, and that some creditors mean more than others. So if, if you're going to drop a ball, let's figure out which one that is. Now today is going to be broken into three parts. One will be the history and definition, another will be what a chapter 7 is, and also what a chapter 13 is. Now if you don't know what I mean by when I say chapter 7 or 13, that's okay. This podcast is for you. It's going to be a basic overview of bankruptcy law as it is, as well as news that's currently in a bankruptcy law and just anything in between that involves that kind of stuff. Now let's get on to part one. Part One, History and Definitions. So, let's lay a little foundation. Bankruptcy law in the United States has always centered around economic crisis. The first set of bankruptcy law was established in the early 1800s, but was quickly repealed only three years later. The process of creating law to help the the economy and repealing things when they got better continued consistently throughout the 1800s. And it wasn't until the 1930s or the Great Depression For the government and the Supreme Court to decide that bankruptcy's primary goal was to give someone drowning in debt a fresh start. While bankruptcy law has been reformed over the decades, they have remained a valuable tool for people who wish to start over. In fact, that is one of the major pillars of bankruptcy, a fresh start. Now there are a lot of myths out there that demonize bankruptcy and it makes it seem immoral or impossible or anywhere in between. But the truth of the matter is, bankruptcy, in some cases, are some people's only hope, especially with predatory contracts of credit cards and hospitals charging $15 a pill for Tylenol. Thus a stigma of shame surrounding the legal tool needs to change, and I'm here to help with that. However, before I do, I must say that it is a very complicated subject, and with its own very specific language, which I will define here. I'm not going to define every single term in bankruptcy. As the podcast progresses, the terms that are needed, I will define them, but these here are the most basic terms and these are the ones that will be used throughout the bankruptcy. Let's start with the most important word of bankruptcy, discharge. A discharge is a release of any personal liability that you may have to a creditor. In basic English, it means certain creditors cannot collect or sue for that debt you owe them. Well, I use the word creditors a lot, so let's define what creditor is as well. A creditor is someone you owe money to. There is different types of creditors depending on the the type of debt. Yes, there are different types of debt, too. And I will spend a whole episode explaining that. But for now, just know that if you own property, that creditor is probably a secured creditor and if you have a loan on it. If it's a credit card or a hospital bill, more than likely it's an unsecured. Now don't worry about secured or unsecured yet. Like I said, a whole another episode. Also, we have the bankruptcy estate. This is what bankruptcy lawyers and trustees call call your property once you actually file bankruptcy. Another important term is trustee and a trustee is someone the government has appointed to actually pay your bills while you're in the bankruptcy. Also, you have something called an automatic stay. Now what is an automatic stay is when you file bankruptcy, none of your creditors are allowed to collect after you once they have notice of the bankruptcy. And if they do, you get to sue them and then get a little money to yourself. Now remember, there's a lot of other things that will get explained along the way, but think of this as a tipping your toe into the bankruptcy pool. I hope that you tune in for the rest of our episodes where I'll explain different types of things that's all bankruptcy related. Part two, what is a chapter seven? So the first type of bankruptcy we'll be covering is one of the most common and it's called a chapter seven bankruptcy. This is probably the one you think of when you think of bankruptcy. When someone files a chapter seven, the trustee gathers up all your property and sells it and then pays back your creditors. But when I say all your property, what I mean is all your unexempt property. So again, another term that we need to define here, exempt and unexempt property. In the state in the state of Texas, and as long as the federal law, there are separate laws that have been created that makes it where the trustee cannot take and sell it. Most common one is your home. There's also cars in Texas, you're also allowed two guns and a certain amount of cattle. Uh, So depending on what you have, it will depend on which law you use, but just know that unexempt property will get sold in a Chapter 7. Once these creditors are paid, you will receive a discharge, and you will no longer be personally liable for that debt. However, in order to be eligible for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, you must meet a few requirements. First, if like most Americans, your debts are consumer, i.e. not a business debt, then you must meet the means test. This means that your average monthly income is low enough to file bankruptcy after you minus your expenses, such as your mortgage or your car loan or your utilities. But what is low enough? That is decided by each state and varies from household to household depending on its size. The second requirement is that you have not had a bankruptcy dismissed in the last six months. That is common for every bankruptcy, and you'll see that repeated throughout. Third, you must attend a credit counseling class and create a debt repayment plan. Again, something you'll see throughout the rest of the bankruptcies. If you meet these three requirements, you're eligible for a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and soon you'll be on your way to do that coveted fresh start. At the end of the bankruptcy, you'll receive what is called the discharge. However, at risk of beating a dead horse, I will go over it again. The discharge means that you will not be personally liable for certain debts. Now I say certain debts because some debts cannot be discharged like taxes that you have been paying on for less than three years, school loans, child support, alimony, and some others. And if you feel like that may be the case, you should speak with a, with an attorney. You can also reaffirm certain debts, like mortgages and car loans, in exchange for keeping that property. Because most houses have loans on them, mortgages, and most cars have loans on them. You will probably continue to pay those payments even after the bankruptcy and even after the discharge because you would have had to reaffirm them or relinquish them. Remember, in a Chapter 7, the point is to sell what you can to pay off your creditors. Just because your house is exempt from being sold doesn't mean that you don't have to pay your mortgage. While Chapter 7s on paper require you to sell your property, most actual cases never do. This is because most Chapter 7s are considered no-asset cases. So, what does it mean to be a no-asset case? means that you have no assets of value that is non-exempt and that the trustee can sell. For example, if you have one car and one house that is furnished with, you know, like a TV and you're, you're actual just a couch and you don't have any collectibles or any anything of value other than some kind of sentiment that a baseball card that you got from your grandpa, then you have no exempt assets and that trustee can't take them. And the Amex and. Discover and all of those other unsecureds, are, well, they're out of luck. And a good bankruptcy attorney will be able to help you out with that. I always like to use the action movie metaphor when I'm talking about chapter sevens. Now, everyone knows what I'm talking about. When the guy leaves the building and it explodes and you just don't look back, that's kind of a chapter seven bankruptcy. You just lighten the dead on fire and it just burns away with whatever you can sell. Now, I always recommend speaking with an attorney whenever you weigh in your options to see if you fit for chapter seven or one of the other chapters, and you never know, everything's a little different. So always remember my firm, Valdez Ehrenberg, is always a phone call away at 214-915-8835. On to part three. What is a chapter 13 bankruptcy? If a chapter seven is throwing a match at your debts and watching them burn, then a Chapter 13 is more like you rearranging your debts into piles that you can actually lift up and take out. You see, a Chapter 13, you create a plan to repay certain creditors over a three to five year period. Now, I say certain creditors because, again, unsecured creditors like credit cards or medical bills will only be entitled to what they will receive in a Chapter 7, which is, again, based on what unexempt property a trustee could sell. The advantage to a Chapter 13 is that it can save your house if you're already in foreclosure proceedings or behind, which is something Chapter 7 cannot do. It also allows you to lower all of your payments and still pay off your debts, and which will also protect your co if you have any and protect your co credit. Now I know a lot of people when it comes to bankruptcies, they're afraid of them because of the stigma they come across where you gather debt and then you just throw it away and then you gather more debt and you throw it away and it makes you seem shady, right? That's why most people feel guilty when they file a Chapter 13, in my experience. Well, any bankruptcy. But Chapter 13 moves around that. It helps you balance your books. It's someone is there to help you pay off what you need to pay off. So you don't feel as bad whenever Amex doesn't get it because everyone knows they're already charging us an arm and a leg. And also, another benefit of all this is you won't have any contact with your creditors for the life of the plan, which is, again, three to five years, because you will be making your payments directly to the trustee. And he will be paying all your creditors. And the automatic stay will prevent the creditors from trying to collect from you. And if they do violate those terms, you get to sue them, which is an added bonus. So, who is eligible for a Chapter 13? Well, anyone who is eligible for any kind of bankruptcy is eligible for a 13, as long as your unsecured debt, i.e. credit cards and medical bills, is less than $394,725. And secured debt, i.e. houses with mortgages on them and cars with car notes, that debt is less than $1,184,000. Now, I know this, this is a very specific number, That's because uh, the, the lawmakers go back and they look at this and they change it. And it does vary by state. And just like a Chapter 7, you cannot file in Chapter 13 if you've had a bankruptcy dismissed in the last six months prior to filing your bankruptcy. Also, you'll have to take a credit counseling class, just like in a Chapter 7. And you will need to let the court know what property and debts you have and how the property is exempt from the trustee taking it if it was a Chapter 7. The difference is that you will also have to submit a payment plan that reorganizes your debt in a manageable way. So how does the discharge in Chapter 13 differ from a Chapter 7? As a general rule, the discharge releases the debtor from all debts provided for, by the plan, or disallows, with the exception of certain debts. Debts not discharged in the 13 include certain long-term obligations, such as home mortgages, debts for alimony or child support, certain types of taxes, debts for most government-funded or guaranteed educational loans or benefit overpayments, debts arising from death or personal injuries caused by driving while intoxicated or under the influence of drugs. Again, another reason not to drink and drive, folks. And debts for restitution for a criminal fine including in a sentence on the debtor's conviction of a crime. So you can't get rid of any kind of fines that you owe. To the extent that they are not fully paid under the Chapter 13 plan, you will still be responsible for these debts after the bankruptcy case has concluded. Debts for money or property obtained by false pretenses, debts for fraud, and debts for restitution and damages awarded in civil cases for willful or malicious actions by the debtor that cause personal injury or death to a person will be discharged unless a creditor timely files and prevails in his action to have such debts declared non-dischargeable. The discharge in a Chapter 13 case is somewhat broader than a Chapter 7 case. Debts dischargeable in 13, but not in seven, include debts for willful and malicious injury to property as opposed to a person, debts incurred and to pay non-dischargeable tax obligations, and debts arising from property settlements and divorce or separation proceedings. If someone cannot keep up with their plan that they've made, and there is something called a hardship discharge, and that can help you in certain circumstances. Generally, such a discharge is only available if failure to complete the plan payments is due to circumstances beyond your control and through no fault of yourself. 2. Creditors have received at least as much as they would have in a Chapter 7, and 3. Modifications to the plan are not possible due to length of time. Injury or illness that precludes employments is sufficient to fund even a modified plan may serve as the basis for a hardship discharge. So if you get hurt or sick or cancer and you're in the middle of a bankruptcy, don't assume they're going to come and take your house. No, there is such a thing as a hardship discharge and they they can work with you. The hardship discharge is more limited than the discharge described above, of course, it does not apply to any debts that are non-dischargeable in the Chapter 7. Now, thank you for joining me today. I hope this helped unmuddy some of the water surrounding bankruptcy. And remember, these things exist for a reason. And if you feel that you need a fresh start, if you feel that you're drowning under your debts, do not be afraid to seek and speak with legal counsel today. As always, my firm valdez PLC, PLLC is only a phone call away. And again, that's 214-915-8835. Be sure to tune in for more and thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast and if you felt that it was informational, let me know. Leave a review or leave a rating. Also, feel free to share this with your friends. I know times right now are tough and they're hard for everybody. So we want to make sure that we're out there for everybody. Thank you.